This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. Sign on the window says lonely. Sign on the door said no company allowed. Sign on the street says you don't own me. Sign on the porch says three's a Sign on the porch says, freeze a crowd. Her and her boyfriend went to California. Her and her boyfriend. Change their tune. My best friend said, Now, now, I am. girls on the moon. Brighten girls are like the Kia theatre nerds, you are backstage with Mel and Mike and we are your New Zealand-based podcasting theatre nerds once again with you for all of the good theatre-related things despite everything that's happening around us. As you'll be able to tell right now, we are recording from in lockdown once again. I'm not going to lie, I'm still a little bit miffed about the whole thing. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, we're usually in the same room. Mm-hmm. I was super sick with a non-COVID illness last week, but with COVID symptoms. So instead of recording with Mike, I was at my GP getting COVID tested, which is why you experienced uh, deja vu last week. Deja vu all over again. 
So the week okay. before that, our musical of the week was Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. So you got a second dose of it. If you'd like folk fusion and Russian drama, then you will love our last episode. And you can find it, if you fancy listening again, by typing Backstage with Mel and Mike into the search bar of any of your favorite podcast streaming apps. And you will find us. We will be there. I promise. We will be there. Mike has got Girl from the North Country up his sleeve for this week. It is the musical featuring Bob Dylan's catalogue of tracks, and it promises not to disappoint. And the more I've gone into it, Mel, the more I really do love the soundtrack, which we'll be playing for you today. It's uh, featuring the original um, London cast. We started with Sign on the Window, which um, any Dylan fan will, will know the song and the, and the different treatment that was given to that is very indicative of the of the way that the music has been um, integrated into the story for the show itself. It's an excellent story and, and the whole show is an excellent story so I can't wait to regale you with all of that but we've got also got a whole lot of catching up to do because it's been just over two weeks since we got news of COVID's Delta variant making its way into the community here in Aotearoa. So our yeah. list of shows coming up soonish is looking well drastically different this week <laughs> almost non-existent drastically is a good way to put it i'm lucky personally enough to have not been massively affected by a covid postponement yet but we do and can have the first hand rantings of mike who's been working with the team on assassins for what seems like forever and it's just suffered its second reschedule well since you brought it up mel Yes, uh, <laughs> we've been very brave about it, though, and fortunately able to announce that we are rescheduling for early December. Our season is shifting to December 10th to the 18th, and that is um, due to some you know, good negotiation and, and willingness on the part of the Meteor Theatre to fit us into the schedule. They have a nightmare ahead of them with all of these different bookings that have been due to take place over the coming months, which now... You know, everybody's going to be looking for another place on the schedule. Everybody's going to be saying, hey, can we fit in here? Um, yeah. Bold Theatre's been able to secure this spot early December. We're going to take that. We're going to be ready for it. We were just literally a week away from opening when we went into level four lockdown. So we will all, I'm sure, be totally on our game when it comes to December. I feel for a bunch of other people around the country that were either just opening or about to open or just starting rehearsals at various stages of getting involved in productions. But what a reminder about what we've been able to achieve over the last 12 months. You know, a year ago we were facing all this. We got used to doing stuff again. We got an awful lot of stuff back on stage over the last six months or so, the last eight months. Now it's taken away again. It's a feeling we're used to, and we now know how we can deal with it, which I guess is the healthy side of it. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's nice and optimistic of you to say. I think I'm struggling this time around just because I don't think I was mentally, well, no one was, but I wasn't mentally prepared to go into lockdown. And so this time it's been a button more monotonous. But I think we can be hopeful that we'll get to at least see and experience some theatre later in the year. I'm definitely looking forward to Assassins. Uh, since we're all still at home, waiting to return to Alert Level 2 and some sort of normalcy, in quotes, I have another Cracker Play of the Day for you, if you are keen for it. Oh, absolutely. Bring it on. Okay. I'll censor the title for the purposes of keeping things friendly for sensitive ears moving forward, but for inf informational purposes this one time, play of the day this week is called The Motherfucker with the Hat by Stephen Adley Gurgis. Have you heard of it? No, never heard Kitten? of it. Sounds vaguely no. Dr. Seuss. <laughs> it is, couldn't be further from Dr. Seuss, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something Samuel L. Jackson would be part of, just because of the wording. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I love a, I love a good... Yes, I won't repeat it. Uh, <laughs> allow me to enlighten you, Mike. Please do, please do. The Mother with the Hat premiered on Broadway in April of 2011. And the cast starred Chris Rock in his Broadway debut and was directed by Anna D. Shapiro, closing in July of 2011. Anna D. Shapiro also directed the Broadway production of August Osage County. Okay. It is a one-act piece telling the story of former drug dealer Jackie, who has just been released from prison to join the legitimate workforce. His girlfriend, Veronica, however, is still using... Don't be deterred by the title. It is not just a foul mouth play for the sake of being foul mouthed. I wonder because play, with Chris Rock involved, there would be a tendency, wouldn't there? I actually have to admit, um, I see, I saw Chris Rock in the description and went, "Oh, I might not be keen on this." Yeah, that was my um, initial to, reaction too. <laughs> anyway, yeah, carry on. I'm sorry, I've interrupted your flow there. No, that's fine. Not yeah, not a big Chris Rock fan either. Anywho, the play whisks us from Times Square to Washington Heights and around New York City, and it starts with a classic comedy device. Jackie, a breezy Puerto Rican, just out of jail, ready to go straight, is settling down to make love to his longtime girlfriend Veronica when he spots an unfamiliar hat on her table. The sight of the hat obviously has much the same effect on him as the spotted handkerchief in Othello. <laughs> yes. uh, it sends him into a spiraling jealousy that leads him to enlist the help of his AA sponsor Ralph, who is something of a nerdy nutritionist, and his dapper cousin Julio. Obviously, the major plot device is whether the love of Jackie and Veronica can survive the discovery of the hat's real owner. Veronica obviously takes exception to Jackie's suggestion that she's had a visitor. They quarrel in the manner of people who are A, desperate not to lose each other, and B, have probably undergone court-ordered group therapy at some point in their lives. Uh, they agree to put off any major decisions until they've had some pie at the pie place. As you'd expect, the play and its main character, Jackie, then goes through a multitude of twists and turns to not just stay sober, but also allow himself the justice of finding the mother beep and owner of the hat. Eventually, Jackie obtains a gun. If he fires that gun, it's a direct violation of his probation conditions. So his sponsor, Ralph, convinces him to get rid of it. He doesn't. He gives it to his sexually ambiguous cousin, Julio, for safekeeping. We then find out that Jackie had slept with his previous AA counsellor, which is probably a part of the reason that Veronica doesn't trust him now. It's also probably the reason she is cheating on Jackie with his AA sponsor, Ralph, having slept together a handful of times while Jackie was in prison. Meanwhile, Jackie is busy getting the gun back and returns the hat to a man in their building who he thinks is its owner. He throws the hat on the floor symbolically and uses the gun to shoot at it and scare the guy. In a moment of regret after that, Jackie goes to Ralph's where he finds Ralph's wife, Victoria. He tells her about the hat and the cheating. Little does he know that Ralph, uh, and this is where you find out, Ralph has been sleeping with Veronica, who is Jackie's right. wife. So uh, sleeping with Veronica, cheating on Victoria. That's right. And so, and, and Jackie doesn't know this, but Victoria does. Victoria is over it. And she begs Jackie to sleep with her. They try to no avail. There's a bit of a comic moment in there where um, he sort of decides he doesn't want to do that. Uh, at which point v Victoria reveals to him that Veronica and Ralph have been sleeping together. Ralph really was the mother with the hat. After the confrontation of Jackie showing up at Veronica's apartment drunk, accusing her of cheating, hurt because they've been in love since high school, he's very loud, he's very angry, Veronica hits him with a baseball bat to get rid of him, so he leaves. Julio takes Jackie in, his cousin. He reveals that he's grateful because years ago as teenagers, Jackie showed an unexpected kindness to him. Jackie wants to confront Ralph, and Julio is willing to cover his back, claiming to be a Van Damme. In a dramatic climax of the play, Jackie goes to Ralph's. 
the two men try to fight it out but end up uselessly wrestling on the floor. Ralph admits that he slept with Veronica as a favour to Jackie. Ralph wanted to show Jackie that Veronica's addiction to sex, drugs and alcohol is harmful to his sobriety. Ralph tries to explain that Veronica will never love him until she chooses to sober up and that in spite of everything, he would like to be friends with Jackie, naturally. Fair enough. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) naturally. (laughs) Completely fair. Uh, I'm okay with it, Jackie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, naturally Jackie refuses the offer of friendship and returns to Veronica's apartment to pick up his things Uh, he's broken parole shooting the gun so he's heading off to prison for a short stint Uh, Jackie tries to tell Veronica he loves her but she runs out of the room unwilling to hear him so he leaves moments later Veronica comes back to find him gone and that's where the play ends essentially in a way the play ends where it began with two people who don't really know how to be together but can't fathom trying to be apart. Wow. That's the play. That is a lot to deal with. There's a lot to deal with. And I think probably something that I didn't encapsulate very well is that it has a very Puerto Rican feeling, a bit like, say, West Side Story or In the Heights, you know, where it's very set and and with those sorts of the characters from Mm, Washington Heights. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Hot-headedness and all that sort of stuff. How did you come across this? Well, I googled Tony Award-winning plays, and this is one that it didn't win, but it was nominated in 2011, I believe. Um, It didn't have a long run. No. What was critical reception like? Reviews were fairly mixed. There were the fans of Chris Rock and and his kind of humour and his kind of comedy that really loved it. But then there were other reviewers, perhaps more, I don't know, maybe a little bit more stodgy, who didn't enjoy the swearing and didn't enjoy the all-over-the-place nature of the story. So, I, But I, the fans liked it. I think it ran for as long as it was ever going to. Mm. So I didn't close early, I don't believe. It Sounds really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I want to read the script at the very least. I couldn't with you around my neck You said you'd send for him and you did What did I expect? My hands are sweating And we haven't even started yet I'll go along with the charade Until I can my way out I know it was all a big joke whatever it was about someday maybe I'll remember to forget I'm gonna get my coat I feel the breath of the storm there's something I gotta do tonight Go inside and stay warm Has anybody seen my love? Has anybody seen my love? Has anybody seen my love? I don't know 
Backstage with Mel and Mike, and that was Tight Connection to My Heart, one of my favourite songs from Dylan, out of our musical of the week. Uh, have you been watching any filmed live theatre at all, Mel? Seen anything online? No, I actually haven't this time around. Last time I watched heaps of stuff. I know but, you did. Um, That's why I asked the question. Yeah. yeah you, you watched I... more than anybody else I knew last time around. <laughs> so I'm a bit obsessed. Um, <laughs> I, think that's wh- I think that's why, actually, I... Well, like I said, I've been really struggling a bit with the monotony of this lockdown. So I've sort of, I've been playing video games with Kate because that's what makes her happy. And I've been working really hard because our work has not stopped. So I'm working from home. I really haven't, I want to say haven't had the time, but I haven't had the motivation really to sit down. I can identify with that. And I I feel a little bit the same. I think probably because last time we went through this, we knew that we were going to be locked down for quite a while. So we knew we were into this for a period. This time round, we've uh, had the goalpost moved a little bit. We now know that as of last night, we've come down to level three. We, you and I still can't get together, but our lives are getting back to some sense of, well, there's some routine things that need to be done. I honestly haven't made the time to watch anything much in terms of um, theatrically uh, oriented um, entertainment, but I have watched no. quite a bit of good TV on Netflix and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I, know, I share that feeling and I, uh, that sense of ennui and the, also the sense of, yeah, well, let, let's get it over. Let's get on with things now. Ennui is a nice way of putting it. Eh? I, I think everyone's feeling a bit like that as well. Like we're not the only ones suffering. Well, since we're not the only ones feeling the pain of lockdown, we thought we'd get along one of our regulars, one of our greatest friends, Jono Freeband, to provide us with some entertainment backstage. Jono, nice to have you back and nice to hear your voice again too. Thank you. Nice to be back. I love How are you? Now, entertain us. (laughs) Yeah, no pressure. You're not going to ask me to sing or something. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, living that lockdown life. We've ridden this uh, particular Bronco before in this Rodeo, and we've all got stuff that we get on and do. So from your perspective, how's it been in terms of finding entertainment online, that sort of stuff? Seen anything? I recently, funnily enough, found a YouTube bootleg of the musical Six, 
um, which I I sent on to Mel. I was just on YouTube and you know how you end up in the deep, dark depths of it at points. Um, Slime tutorials. Yeah, and started watching that. And I mean, it's very, very shoddy camera work, but you get the musical staged and stuff like that. Because the music for it's awesome. Yeah. And then PBS recently released Wicked live in concert. I saw um, notifications about that, yeah. So I started watching that this morning, but that's all very lockdown-esque social distancing stuff or virtual interviews with Idina Menzel and um, Kristen Chenoweth and stuff like that. So I've been entertaining myself with little bits of live theatre here and there, but otherwise not a lot's been happening, you know, typical lockdown life. Are you rehearsing anything at the moment? I am not. I am. You're not Zoom rehearsing. No, thankfully. That sounds like a nightmare. I feel for all of those casts that have to do it. I feel for those that were partway into rehearsals for productions and then had the plug pulled because what do they do? I know that in Maramata, for example, at Maramata Musical Theatre, they are very early into their rehearsals for A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum and they are doing rehearsals using Zoom as a, as a thing. There's a limit to how much you can do doing that. though. I mean, you, can, you can run lines and get cues right which I, I guess is a big advantage, but blocking, moving, all that sort of stuff just can't happen. Even at, like, level two, socially distanced rehearsals are difficult enough in person. So trying to do everything virtually and imagine how the staging's going to be if you're trying to block stuff on Zoom must be a pain in the bum. Yeah. Well, that's right, eh? I've just heard of... Um, well, I know multitudes of musical theatre performers are rehearsing choreography in their living rooms, um, and very and very dedicated choreographers are putting tutorial videos um, up so their casts can learn the choreography. But it's one thing to know the moves, and it's a whole other thing to get to rehearse, you know, walking over to that side of the stage and who you're going to negotiate yeah, on yeah, the way. And yeah. So like you say, there's, only, there's a limit to how much you can achieve. Well, um, I, so I know. But really kudos to them trying. You had the experience last year, though, of starting rehearsals for Constellations, while we were still in lockdown mode. How did yeah, you handle yes. that? Did you concentrate on lines and stuff like that first? Because it was a very text-heavy show anyway. Yeah, I think in that respect, in that respect, we were lucky. We had a cast of two, so they had a lot of lines to learn. So that first, I guess, month or so that we were in lockdown rehearsing over Zoom, there was a lot of lines learning going on. And so, and so we were fortunate that we weren't a musical, fortunate that we d- didn't have a big cast. I mean, it wasn't awesome, but we really achieved a lot in our Zoom rehearsals, but I can't even begin to imagine rehearsing a musical on Zoom. What are you looking <laughs> forward to, though, Jono, in terms of getting back to what we all call normal? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what projects have you got coming up when the time is right? Similar to the last time that I was on the show, not a lot, to be honest. My job doesn't really allow me a lot of flexibility in the summer because I work at a restaurant in Raglan. So it's one of kind of the holiday hotspots. So I struggle to try and block out any shows or anything in that period. But winter and kind of March through to about September, October is when I have leeway to do stuff. So most of my projects are over for the year. There are a few next year coming up that I'd love to be a part of. The big one probably being Priscilla, Queen of the Desert musical that HMT is doing. Other than that, though, I'll probably do the kids show or be involved with the kids show again because 
I don't know, I kind of feel like I have to be. But <laughs> it's also something that I love doing. So You'd feel like you were missing out if you, if you weren't involved. Absolutely, I'd be so jealous. <laughs> yeah. I was a little bit jealous this year, actually, directing and not being able to bring it to life. Do you know, like, to be on the stage is something very different from directing a piece. So, I don't know, and there was something about the kids' show that made me go, huh. Yeah. But also very proud to have directed what we came up with at the same time. This last time, it was the first time that you guys had, like, licensed in a show, eh? As opposed to writing it yourselves. Yeah. So that was cool that you got to direct that first one, but bummer that you didn't get to be in that first one. And also huge undertaking to try and attempt and pull off I think we pulled it off anyway, a trick of the light piece because they're so well known around the country or around the world, to be fair. And all of their stuff is so polished and gorgeously performed by them to then have to license something. And none of us had seen the original production of Beards because it wasn't something that had come through Hamilton, actually. It was definitely a challenge. (laughs) It was good fun. It was a good fun piece. It was a good show. And I think it resonated well with the audiences in Hamilton as far as kids' theatre goes. Never really had a chance to talk to you about uh, how you feel about directing. You haven't got out the other side of that. Has it given you a bit of a bug? Uh, Yes and no. I still think at the moment... It deterred you. (laughs) No, I don't think so. I think I still much prefer being on the stage from the performance side of things that's just where I feel most at home but I think it was more the uncertainty and not sort of knowing how to direct but I really enjoyed it I was very lucky with the cast that I had and the team that we worked with and stuff like that so yeah I suspect I will probably do it again not necessarily for the kids show but I might try and pick a show and do something that I've wanted to do for ages oh yeah can you give us any hints there you've read the script actually Mel um there is an April Phillips show that I've wanted uh, to do for ages and it's oh, I a thought one you were talking play. I thought you were talking about kids show and I was gonna say that is not a kids show no it is not a kids show um <laughs> that I've wanted to direct for ages but it's very dark and it's like fi- I think it, these parts. yeah I think it's finding the right time to put a show like that on. And Mal, you would know doing all of the black box shows because they're not exactly kid friendly. Most what of them. What are you them. talking about? We only do comedies. <laughs> Death and teenagers. <laughs> I wonder what Bizarreness. it is that draws human beings to those stories. You know, like I think we often talk about Mike and I also often talk about you know that we're easily sucked into the heavy content of some of these shows and plays. And mm. I just wonder, I don't think we're the only ones. And I'm just interested. I wonder what it is that makes people feel like that's really good theatre. It's really, to... really delving into the human psyche here, though, Mel. I think yeah. part of it is that, you know, darker stories and stories that are a little bit disturbing sometimes remind you just how good other things are and make you glad for what you've got. Mm. That's a good point, yeah. Anywho, it's been really cool to have you on the show this week, Jono. Become a bit uh, of a bit of a fixture me. with the with us at the moment, and um, you know. Yeah, is this episode number three that I've been a part of, or four? That's I don't know. I've lost count. Can't I remember. think it's your fourth. Do you hear that, Hannah Mooney? <laughs> oh, heck. tell us a joke, Jono, before you go. <laughs> a joke? Oh, yeah, I know you got any. Gracious, I'll tell you a quick little story. Actually, Mel, I told you this the other day. You you said it was a dad joke, but. Um, 
I'm a part of a lot of Facebook groups, obviously, as we all are. And one of them is dedicated to Lord of the Rings because I'm a little bit of a fan. And all sorts of junk gets posted on there. And someone posted a discussion piece about how Gandalf loses his staff multiple times throughout the Hobbit trilogy and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And I took it upon myself to write... a comment and working in the employment sector sort of helped me with this that Gandalf wouldn't make a good employer because he doesn't look after his staff <laughs> and oh, that is I, such a nerd joke it that's was a, so clever though and it I wouldn't even call lot. that a dad joke that's a nerd joke oh, it got a lot of feedback it's very Positive. dad jokey all the I nerds on that Facebook page loved it <laughs> I do enjoy the pun though well, on that note, we should probably let you go. Oh, thank you. I'll just get back to sitting on my bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and Love hopefully you, next time we get you on the show, you'll, you'll be able to tell us all the wonderful things that, that have inspired you in the months since. Yes, definitely. I'm prepared oh, well. with a better joke. Oh, gee. Thanks, Mel. <laughs> I will. Love you, bud. Love you too. Um, <laughs> anyway, ta-da. Ta-da. Thank you, Jono. Look after yourself. Absolutely. Well, many thanks to Jono Freeburn for joining us for this episode of uh, Backstage. It's been uh, good to get another human involved, Mel. Very good to get another human involved. And I, Jono's my best mate, so I, uh, it's nice to see his face and nice to just get some human interaction going. Yeah. I haven't been missing all people, but this lockdown, I've been really missing my people, yeah. my peeps at work, you, you, Mike, um, the theatre people I was most recently working with. Like I mentioned and said, um, I was not emotionally prepared for the move to level four. So I've really spent the last two weeks trying to mentally catch myself up. And now you've got to prepare for getting ready for the time when we do get down to level two, level one, and, uh, you know, things will pick up again. Um, fingers crossed that we don't suffer any kind of setback and have to move back. Oh, God. Well, fingers crossed don't, for that. Doesn't thinking about get... <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't want to even think about it. I also don't want to think about how hard it's going to be to get out of bed at 7 o'clock in the morning again after, you know, getting out of bed five minutes before I have to go to work. (laughs) Clouds so swift, rain won't live, gate won't close, railings froze. Your mind up a winter time. You ain't going nowhere. Ooh, we ride behind. Tomorrow's the day. My bride's gonna come. Oh, we gonna fly down in the easy chair. I don't care how many letters they send. Morning came and morning went. Pick up your mind.
born with a snake in both of your fists while a hurricane was blowing. going nowhere slash joke man from our musical of the week girl from the north country you're backstage with mel and mike i am mel uh, on zoom because we're locked down and while we're still on the topic of lockdown alert levels reschedules get out your calendars for readjusting the list of what's coming up around the place between now and the end of the year and if things are as they were the last time we mentioned it uh, that's because we actually haven't had any confirmation of rescheduling at this stage so let's kick off i'll do the meteor first Boil Up uh, Project Wish I Was There, written and performed by James Smith, still scheduled for September 15 to 18. And Junior, written and directed by Connor Maxwell, is later in the month, 22nd to the 26th of September. A rescheduling of Cashew by Linda Chanwai Earl is now happening October 18th. Drag Up Your Life, presented by Miss California, is scheduled for October the 23rd. And Assassins, uh, presented by Bold Theatre, now the season is December 10th to the 18th. At Clarence Street Theatre, I haven't heard otherwise, Fame Junior presented by Bravo Theatre Company is going ahead from the 23rd to the 25th of September. Friends, the musical parody, One Night Only on October the 1st. And Tumikitui is presented by Tour Makers and that goes to stage in, oh, I didn't write the dates down, but I think it's November. Riverley Theatre, Hamilton Musical Theatre are still in rehearsal for Mamma Mia, still happening virtually at the moment and still scheduled to go to stage in October. Also in rehearsals for the annual Riverley Theatre Christmas show, nothing stopping that. Back to the 80s, that'll open in November. Navarra Lounge, there is not much happening there at the moment because they're closed, but their regular schedule is likely to resume once we hit level two. Hope so. Morrinsville Theatre are rehearsing for All Together Now, still planning to go to stage in November. Over in Tiaroha at the Little Theatre, they are still in rehearsal for Death and Taxes, but I don't know that that will go ahead. They were scheduled for the 9th to the 18th of September. Okay. Gaslight Theatre in Cambridge. The September season of Conjugal Rights by Roger Hall has been postponed. No new date at this stage. And Aladdin, a pantomime. Rehearsals continuing, still planning for that to go on stage in November at this point. Uh, as Mike mentioned over in Matamata, they are still in rehearsal for A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum that goes to stage in November. Again, no postponement that we know of. Patauru Theatre Players are in rehearsals for their Christmas production of Moonshine on stage in November. Again, we haven't been told of any change, so assuming that's still go. Over in Tokoro at the Little Theatre, they're in rehearsal for No Regrets, the musical. That's written and directed by Sonia Winnikiri on stage in November, still going to plan at this stage. Also in rehearsal for All Together Now is Thames Music and Drama. This is that um, nationwide thing that's going to be happening in November. That's still all go. Rotorua Musical Theatre's August season of Spamalot, directed by Alistair Hay, has been postponed. No rescheduled date just yet. Tauranga Musical Theatre have had to postpone their season of Les Miserables. This is tough for them, having uh, postponed uh, Blues Brothers last year several times. Their new dates are now February of 2022. I can't give you exact dates off the top of my head, but we'll mention that next time around when we come to it. And they are also in rehearsal for All Together Now on stage in November. 
16th Avenue Theatre in Tauranga is still rehearsing their Revlon Girl. Uh, that's on stage in October. And Detour Theatre have rescheduled Sherlock Holmes' The Adventure of the Speckled Band. That's now shifted to November the 18th to the 4th of December. Only Federal Society of Performing Arts sadly have had to postpone their September season of The Jailhouse Fox by Devin Williamson. They are looking at remounting that next year. And in the big smoke, poor old Auckland, the Harker Party incident for the Auckland Theatre Company by Katie Wolf returns by popular demand. That's uh, on stage October the 2nd to the 10th. Blight Spirit by Noel Coward, slated for November the 8th to the 28th. Fingers crossed for everything that we've listed and everything that we are about to talk about. Auditions for Hamilton Musical Theatre's Summer Broadway Junior Season of Beauty and the Beast Junior have been rescheduled to the 22nd through to the 25th of September. And you can check out the HMT Facebook page for all of that information and details on how to book. It's likely there'll be more reschedules and postponements that are on the horizon. We will get to hear of those in due course, so listen to this space. Likewise, if you want us to spread the word on a cancellation or highlight something that's definitely going ahead, just email us, backstagepodcastnz at gmail.com. Send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, give us a call, text us. We'll do it. And speaking of reschedules, postponements and cancellations, a little bit of, I guess, housekeeping for you. For those of you performers, techs, professional artists who will be losing income as a result of the lockdown, the wage subsidy is now available to be applied for. So if you're a sole trader or an independent contractor who estimates the loss of 40% of your earnings over a seven-day period, get yeah, in touch. Good, good to bring that up. The subsidy applies to full-time work with a payment of $600 a week and part-time work with a payment of 350 There are also payments if you're losing work because you have to self-isolate. So check out the Work and Income website for details or give Denise Roche at Equity NZ a call if you need more advice. She is lovely. She's my workmate's mum. She also cares a whole lot about workers' rights and the entertainment industry. So don't be shy. And on another note entirely, if you are looking for professionally filmed and released theatre to watch, we have a handy-dandy list that we've been adding to. Mike, if you wouldn't mind just reading that out for us. Okay. We have Newsies, Disney+, Plus, Hamilton, also Disney+, Plus, from Apple TV, Come From Away. Gosh, I wish I could see that. Haven't got Mm. Apple TV. Very tempting. Kinky Boots, Stage to View, An American in Paris is also Stage to View. That's Stage Numerical to View. And 42nd Street, also on the Stage to View platform. An array of National Theatre productions is also available on National Theatre at Home. And on Marquee TV, you can catch the Royal Shakespeare Company. And there is a multitude of Royal Shakespeare Company um, productions there. I was going to start listing them, but I thought I'd be here for the rest of the afternoon. So, (laughs) The rest of the year, more like. It shows you just how much is out there and how many different platforms are being used. How how in demand it is for people to yeah. witness these professional live performances. Yeah, there are a ton more, obviously, but that should be enough to get you started and keep you out of trouble for the rest of the week, at least. <laughs>
Backstage with Mel and Mike, and that slow jam there was Forever Young, a uh, very moody, very uh, evocative song. We're live on Free FM every Wednesday at 5 o'clock or later on your favourite podcast streaming app. A musical of the week this week is The Girl from the North Country. Mike's been sitting on this one for a couple of weeks after last week's repeat, uh, so he's been falling more and more in love. Mike, without any more ado, why don't you just tell us everything you know? All right. Girl from the North Country is a musical uh, with a book by Connor McPherson using the songs of Bob Dylan. It's the second Broadway show to use Dylan's music after Twyla Tharp's uh, show, The Times They Are Changing. The production premiered at the Old Vic in London, running from July to October 2017, directed by McPherson. And following the success of the Old Vic production, it transferred to London's West End at the Noel Coward Theatre from the end of December 2017 for a limited 12-week run. So it ran through till March of 2018, with the majority of the Old Vic cast reprising their roles. It made its North American premiere off-Broadway at the Public Theatre in New York from September to December of 2018, featuring an American cast. Then, featuring a new cast, including Kate Braben and Anna-Jane Casey, the show was mounted at the Royal Alexandra Theatre in Toronto from September to November of 2019. Now, following that run, the production and cast transferred to London for a West End revival at the Gilgood Theatre from December 2019 to February of 2020. And Girl from the North Country made its Broadway premiere at the Belasco Theatre, beginning previews on the 7th of February 2020, opened a month later on the 5th of March, and then one week later, COVID shut Broadway. Oh, bugger. Yeah, that's what they said. Here's the plot. Duluth, Minnesota, a city on the shores of Lake Superior. It's the winter of 1934, and America's in the grip of the Great Depression. The story is narrated by Dr. Walker, physician to the Lane family. Nick Lane is the proprietor of a rundown guest house. The bank is threatening to foreclose on the property, and he's desperate to find a way to save his family from homelessness. 
I won't do the rest in an accent. His wife, <laughs> Elizabeth, is suffering from a form of dementia which propels her from catatonic detachment to childlike uninhibited outbursts, which are becoming difficult to manage. Their children are Jean, who's in his early 20s, and their adopted daughter, Marianne, who is 19. Marianne is five months pregnant, and the identity of the father is a mystery that she guards carefully. Nick is trying to arrange a marriage between Marianne and a local shoe mender, Mr. Perry, in order to secure her future. Oh, I forgot to mention that the social awkwardness is complicated by the fact that Marianne is a black girl living with a white family. She was abandoned in the guest house as a baby and then brought up by Nick and Elizabeth. Jean, Marianne's brother, is unable to get a grip on his life and veers between ambitions of becoming a writer and debilitating alcohol binges, just like a serious writer would be. A situation not helped when his sweetheart, Kate, announces that she's marrying a man with better prospects. Nick has become involved in a relationship with a resident of the guest house, Mrs. Nielsen, a widow who's waiting for her late husband's will to clear probate, and they dream of a better future when her money comes through, although she scolds Nick for his constant pessimism. Also staying at the house are a family called the Burks. Mr. Burke lost his business in the crash, and he and his wife Laura and his son Elias share a room upstairs. Elias has a learning disability, and the family struggle to come to terms with their reduced state. Late at night, during a storm, a self-styled reverend come Bible salesman Marlowe and a down-on-his-luck boxer, Joe Scott, arrive looking for shelter. The arrival of these characters is a catalyst, changing everything for everyone in the house. And I'm going to leave the plot line there. There's more, obviously. And if that's not complicated enough to get things running, then I don't know what is. You get a feel for the atmosphere, though, right? Depression times, difficult, yeah, I everybody's got a story. Feel like I, I definitely feel like I'm missing something. You're leaving something out on purpose. <laughs> well, the story, it's a great story. Uh, that, that's just a taste to sort of get you into the mood. And we've talked about plot lines and shows before, which have been a lot more complex than that, actually, to be fair. But yeah. uh, what I like about that story is that it really gives a taste of that very desperate time when there seemed to be no hope in America. Gosh, almost like 2021. But, you know, the Dust Bowl was happening, depression was on, nobody had work, everybody was facing foreclosure, and uh, nobody could see a way out. Yeah. All right, back to the show. 19 Bob Dylan songs are performed by the cast throughout the production, and each is backed by instruments from the 1930s. The original London cast recording was made at Abbey Road in August of 2017 and released on CD in September, with a double vinyl release happening in December that year. In a five-star review, The Guardian described it as a remarkable fusion of text and music, comparing its use of multiple storylines to Arthur Miller's The American Clock and its narrator to Thornton from Wilder's Our Town. McPherson has created an astonishingly free-flowing production and the 19-strong cast, which includes three musicians, is so uniformly strong it's tough to pick out individuals. This is what they said in The Guardian review. They use Bob Dylan's back catalogue to glorious effect. The Independent said the idea is inspired and the treatment piercingly beautiful, adding that two formidable artists have shown respect for the integrity of each other's work and the result is magnificent. Amazing reviews, aren't they? The Evening Standard called it beguiling and soulful and quietly, exquisitely heartbreaking. This is, in short, a very special piece of theatre. Five stars is pretty impressive. It is very impressive. The Sunday Express hailed the show as a tribute and a triumph and the Times declared it an instant classic. The Observer praised the play, calling it one of the most transporting shows I've seen in years. I came away feeling that Dylan has been writing not a series of songs, but an unfolding chronicle. 
Variety called it a loving homage with a neat turn of phrase and a tang in the air. When people sing, it's as if they pop the bonnets of their brains and let us look inside, concluding that the blend slips down easily, enjoyable and soulful. On the occasion of the West End transfer, Richard Williams wrote in The Guardian, The great achievement of a girl from the North Country lies in the ability of the writer-director and his musical supervisor, Simon Hale, to find shades of meaning with some of the songs that would surely surprise even Dylan himself, a famously Protean interpreter of his own creations. The Times awarded the play five stars, calling it a show that transports the soul. A five-star review from the Financial Times said it's original, beautiful and moving, combining the starkness of Steinbeck with haunting lyricism to create something restless, desperate, hopeful and sad. The Telegraph's five-star review stated that not very often a piece of theatre comes along that radiates an ineffable magic. Connor McPherson's musical play is one such show. It's not a perfect piece by any means, but the rare alchemy with which McPherson fuses a Dust Bowl drama set in Depression-era Minnesota with the keening mysticism of Dylan's back catalogue makes it almost glow. The Sunday Express awarded the transfer five stars, saying Bob Dylan's songs are so emotive and intense that they might well have overwhelmed the action. It's greatly to McPherson's credit that Girl from the North Country is such a compelling drama in its own right. McPherson has written a subtle and touching play about small-town lives in middle America in the 1930s. The Great Depression has entered the very bones of the drifters and fugitives who end up in Nick's boarding house in Duluth, Minnesota. I held this show on its premiere last autumn. This well-deserved transfer should not be missed. It's the most powerful, affecting an original musical in London. And yes, that includes Hamilton. Really? Dylan himself praised the show in an interview with historian Douglas Brinkley that was first printed in the New York Times. Brinkley said, It's too bad that just when the play Girl from the North Country, which features your music, was getting rave reviews, production had to shutter because of COVID-19. Have you seen the play or watched the video of it? Dylan replied, Sure, I've seen it, and it affected me. I saw it as an anonymous spectator, not as someone who had anything to do with it. I just let it happen. The play had me crying at the end. I can't even say why. When the curtain came down, I was stunned. I really was. Oh, wow. Too bad Broadway shut down because I wanted to see it again. How good is that, Mel? That's so good. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Girl from the North Country didn't make the Tonys because it was only open for a week on Broadway, but it did pick up a few gongs before that. The original London production won a 2017 Critics Circle Theatre Award for the Most Promising Newcomer and two 2018 Laurence Olivier Awards for Best Lead Actress and Best Supporting Actress. And in 2019, the Off-Broadway production scored the Art of Critics Circle Award for Outstanding New Off-Broadway Musical. So expect it to reopen on Broadway once showbiz gets the green light there again. So this one will be one a big one of the big ones that'll sort of win hearts everywhere. I would expect it should. You know, we re- reviews like that to be so universally uh, received that way is just amazing. How many musicals have we talked about, and how many of them have had five star ratings? I don't think just any of them across have. the board like that. Yeah, all these different yeah. uh, publications are saying this is amazing. And, you know, very very moving, very significant theatre. I want to talk to you just for a little bit longer about the song itself. Girl from the North Country, occasionally known as Girl of the North Country, is a song that uh, Dylan wrote, of course, recorded at Columbia Recording Studios in New York City in April of 1963 and released the following month as the second track on Dylan's second studio album, uh, which is called The Freewheel and Bob Dylan. He re-recorded the song as a duet with Johnny Cash in February of 1969, and that recording became the opening track on Nashville Skyline, which was Dylan's ninth studio album. 
The song was written following his first trip to England in December of 1962 upon what he thought to be the completion of his second album. It is debated as to whom this song is a tribute. Uh, some claim a former girlfriend, Echo Hellstrom, and some Bonnie Beecher, both of whom Dylan knew before leaving for New York. However, it's suspected that this song could have been inspired by his then-girlfriend, Suze Rotolo. Dylan left England for Italy to search for her, whose continuation of studies there had caused a serious rift in their relationship. So he followed her to Italy to win her back. So romantic. What a big gesture for That's Dylan. That's a great story, but yeah. unbeknownst to Dylan, Rotola had already returned to the United States, leaving about the same time that Dylan arrived in Italy. And it was there that he finished the song, ostensibly inspired by apparently the end of his relationship with her. Upon his return to New York in mid-January, he persuaded Rotolo to get back together and to move back into his apartment on, 40s, on 4th Street. Suze Rotolo is the woman who's featured, if you know the album, on the Free Wheel and Bob Dylan album cover. She's walking arm-in-arm with Dylan down Jones Street, not far from where he had his apartment. While in London, Dylan met several figures in the local folk scene, including English folk singer Martin Carthy. I ran into some people in England, he says, who really knew these traditional English songs. Dylan uh, was recalling this in 1984. He said, Martin Carthy, another guy named Bob Davenport. Martin Carthy's incredible. I learned a lot of stuff from Martin. Carthy exposed Dylan to a repertoire of traditional English ballads, including Carthy's own arrangement of Scarborough Fair, which Dylan drew upon for aspects of the melody and lyrics of Girl from the North Country, including the refrain, uh, the line, Remember me to one who lives there. She once was a true love of mine. Oh, so that's cool. the music that inspired uh, the whole story that we've been talking about. Isn't it great? Great. Altogether, that, it makes a great package. That does make a great package. I don't think I've ever come away from us talking about a musical wanting to go and discover it so badly. The more I have listened to these recordings, the more I've really appreciated uh, the care and attention that's gone into the arrangements, which has to come down to Connor McPherson's treatment of the story and his, and his respect for Dylan's music. Each of these tracks is nothing like I would have imagined them. Dylan's original recordings and other people's takes on them didn't prepare me for what I was hearing out of this uh, soundtrack. So, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I really want to hear it now. Really want to see it. Can't wait to see the bootleg (laughs) version that we might (laughs) get our hands on at some point. You asked me to tell you everything I know. There it is. I can't say any more. Great. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Mike. It's been my pleasure. That is another episode done, dusted, and off the shelf. Thank you for joining us in lockdown. It's been a treat. It has been a treat. Don't forget to catch Backstage wherever you get your podcasts. Backstage is available on accessmedia.nz, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Also, head over to the Instagram and find Backstage Podcast NZ, where I will be sharing today's episode, plus musical of the week, plus a bunch of other things to our story. I have been Mal, he's been Mike, and you've been Backstage. Once again, stay classy, theatre nerds. We're going to leave you today with the titular track from our musical of the week, The Girl from the North Country. See you. Stay safe. If you're travelling to the North Country Fair Where the winds blow heavy on the borderline Remember me to one who lives there She once was a true love of mine If you go when the snowflakes storm Rivers freeze and the summer ends Please see that she's wearing a coat so warm
Use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.